Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Not Your Father's Movies. I'm Vito. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. And I'm Jesse. We are com- coming at you with some um, some good fellow energy. Ah, yes, you good fellow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. well, thank you, sir. <laughs> as, as far back as I remember, I've always wanted to be a good fellow. <laughs> um, uh, or, or a wise guy. Or a wise guy. Wise guy. <laughs> so before we were watching this movie, my wife is like, what What movie are we watching tonight? Goodfellows? i think you are thinking of a way different movie good friendlies is that the film Um, (laughs) these are all of course in reference to the fact that we are opening a a brand new series a big one uh this one coming from the mind of mike which is a scary place usually but in this instance i'm I'm totally down for we're doing uh what are what are we doing there mike it's your it's your your show it's the scorsese mobster Series. There we go. Nice. That's good. Scor- Scorsese Gangsters. Scorsese Gangsters. Yeah. Sick. And we're Gangsters or, or mafia? Mobsters. Mobsters? Mangsters? Or is it Yeah, Mank? <laughs> yeah I, I looked up. I looked up the difference between like gangster and mafia because I was wondering, does that does gangster mean one in a gang or mafia? And it turns out gangster and mafia mean the same thing. Interesting. So just, I, yeah. <laughs> Wait, no. Isn't mafia? Doesn't it mafia mean the like the Sicilian mob, the Sicilian organized? No, no, you can crime? you can have you can have a Russian mafia. They, they talk yeah. about that. Yes, yeah. that's true. I think mafia, I feel like every culture has a yeah. mafia. Yeah, hmm. mafia is any like set or kind of sideline institution, kind of taking everything over and have their hands in everything. As yeah. opposed to like a street gang, like the Jets and the Sharks, who are just, you oh, know. right. <laughs> They're just finger snapping their way through New York City, trying to find a better life for themselves, Jesse. That's right. <laughs> they don't have control over the police, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Officer Krupke. Um, but of course, we're starting the Scorsese gangster run, not with Mean Streets, but with 1990s Goodfellas. Um, this is this is pretty cool. So. I just wanted to personally tell this, even though this was Mike's uh, Mike's idea for a miniseries, this one was going to come up at, at some point. Um, when we started the show, one of the all-time ones I always wanted to do was Goodfellas. And I never knew when that would be right. I never knew when it would be appropriate. I never knew when it would like make sense to do. And it makes sense to do it now. It's a great time for us to do it. And uh, yeah, this is this is one of the big ones for me. This is like this is one of my all-time favorite movies. And uh, I'm I'm really excited to do it because I feel like um, I feel like there are not going to be too many hot takes tonight, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> um, I don't know. How about you guys? What, what's like? Do you have anything to add? Which is why we're doing this? Yeah, I mean, I think that the the reason why it felt like this was what we should do is that we haven't really done any mafia movies or mob movies or gangster movies, whatever you want to call it. We haven't done. Uh, we did The Godfather about a year ago. And that was big. That was huge. And, you know, more to come there, maybe. But Scorsese is one of the most important filmmakers and one of like the most uh, one of the one of the filmmakers that's closest to to my heart, to all of our hearts as uh, dudes. It's like he's he's one of the dude um, movie makers out there. And as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to talk about Goodfellas. So here we are. Uh, Mike, yeah. Do you, do you like, have a lo- Mike, do you have a love for Scorsese in general? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, who doesn't? I, I, I wouldn't say I'm a Scorsese aficionado, but I'm an mm. amateur Scorsesean. <laughs> you dabble. <laughs> you dabbled. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it's somewhere between you and Marty go way back and you've never heard of him is what you're saying. Yeah, in the somewhere, middle somewhere between those two. Yeah. Casual friends. Casual friends yeah. meet up at the bar, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think those are all good reasons, and I can't wait till we get into some of our, our nostalgia and the first times that we've seen this. Because um, for one of us on this show, it, there was a first time experience here, and I can't wait to hear about it. Um, but before we do that, Mike, we have a question that usually goes here, and you're the only one that can read this question. Hey off. Vito! Hey Vito! What's up? This is really loud tonight. Great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, full of energy, full of good fellow energy. <laughs> Um, so I haven't had a lot of time for, uh, movies. I'm, I'm transitioning jobs. Um, and I really haven't had a chance to watch much. Uh, but today before doing this podcast, I was like, you know, I could break away from my family, go watch Goodfellas for the ninth time. And I just watched it last night, you know, but I could watch it again, you know, but, uh, instead of doing that, we sat down and had a little bit of a family movie night and we, I just turned on just kind of scrolling through Disney plus and I do this thing with Disney plus where I'll just. I'll just click OK on a movie um, if I vaguely remember it and just see what happens and if it's appropriate or not. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm along for the ride as, as much as my kid is. And I clicked on Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Mm. Um, that movie is rad. Uh, that movie's really good. I had not had the memory of it being so cool. But uh, I mean, I haven't seen it since it was in theaters. Like I was a kid kid. And I was really blown away by it. Like the CGI is pretty um, rough because it's, it's old, but it's, it's as far as imagination goes. And as far as like packing a lot of story in like every second, that movie moves and it has ideas and it's changing all the time. There's all these characters. It's really, it's like, it's like an old time adventure movie in, in a, in a kid's movie. And it's kind of incredible. Um, my daughter was really long for it. She was really engaged in a way. I haven't seen her be engaged in a movie in a while. Um, to the point where we had to say like, all right, that's, you can't ask a question about every second of the movie. Like, <laughs> you you, you got to save for the important questions. Uh, because, but she was really, really engaged in it. And she said that, that she really loved it. Um, yeah. Did you guys remember this movie? Oh yeah. I used to love that movie. That was one of my staples growing up. It was like that and Hercules. Um, oh yeah. 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 I, I love it. I haven't seen it in many years. Um, I remember like, I, I know my daughter and how scared she gets over things and like there are submarine scenes where, yeah, there's a Leviathan that comes out while they're in a submarine and it feels really claustrophobic. Oh I yeah. Feel like that would really freak her out. There's also a guy who turns into a crystal at one point in the movie. Yep. Um, there's betrayal and th- there's gunshots. I think oh, somebody yeah. gets shot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think that's I think that's too intense for my kids right now. Um, I think There's we'll actually s- like a surprising amount of death. Like, yeah, there there are multiple like when the sub is going down and water's filling the chambers. There are these two guys that are running along the length of the submarine as it's filling up behind them. And the camera's like focus pulling back from them and it pulls back behind a door and they just shut the door in their faces and lock it. <laughs> and it's like, oh, those guys are dead. <laughs> um, but yeah. It's, it's it's a wild ride, but I remember Jesse that your daughter specifically has trouble with the uh, with the drowning and and the being in the water stuff. Yeah, so submarine scenes are are a no go in this household for a while. 
How, how about how about you, Dan or Mike? How, do you guys have any experience with this one? Uh, yeah, I I didn't really grow up with it. I remember it was there were trailers for it in every single Disney movie that we owned. Yeah. So I remember seeing the trailers all the time. Um, this is definitely one that I I didn't watch until I was older, and I I definitely was surprised at how good it was, and I was surprised that it wasn't like it wasn't promoted like it should have been it seems like a much better movie than you know it was given credit for um but i'm right there with your with your daughter jesse i cannot handle drowning in movies um like we watched u571 when i was in high school yeah and it's a great movie but holy cow like watching someone drown in a movie is worse than any other death, I think, to, to watch in a movie. Um, so I totally get that. Yeah. But. So I'm going to construct a series for our next for our next ones, and it's just going to be movies that feature really intense drownings. Unfortunately, we've already done The Prestige. We can't do that one again, but I'll come up with, <laughs> with some more. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's what I've been watching. Uh, 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 Jesse, what, what, uh, what, what's up? What's up? <laughs> Um, we, let's see, there's Kung Fu Panda 2, so we watched Kung Fu Panda 1 a couple weeks ago, so this weekend was Kung Fu Panda 2, and I realized while watching it that I had never seen this movie. No. I've, I've only ever seen Kung Fu Panda 3, which I thought was <laughs> Kung Fu Panda 2, and it was, it was, it was good. I really enjoyed it. Gary um, Oldman as an evil peacock? Yeah, I was really into the evil peacock, to be honest. I thought he was really cool. Um, yeah. Like, I didn't think that a peacock would be able to do cool kung fu. And even though he's not that great at kung fu, he does some really cool things. Um, yeah. Uh, that was a, it was a lot of fun. The kids liked it. I think they probably had a good, uh, maybe even a better time with it, because they knew what to expect this time around. And then uh, I also love the, the dynamic of Poe, who's, like, new to the group. And everybody treats him like he's kind of new, but like he's kind of part of it. But everything that he does, kung fu wise, are always helping him out. Like the crane is always carrying him everywhere, and any time <laughs> he drops, everybody else is like fine, jumping from like a hundred foot ledge. But no, the crane always has to swoop in the last second to help Poe out because or otherwise he's going to crash and burn. Stuff like that throughout the movie. It was it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so we had a good time with that. I don't know if anybody else likes Kung Fu Panda too. <laughs> My, my daughter really liked Kung Fu Panda too. We we did the same thing. Like the first Kung Fu Panda yeah. was such a success that we just immediately, like the next day, I think we watched Kung Fu Panda too. And um, yeah, she she was all about it. I think she like your kids. I think she liked it more than the first one, which is kind of surprising. But it's also like a lot less scary than the first one. And that might have been that might have been it because that that yeah. tiger is like that tiger was or whatever is it like a snow leopard whatever he is. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's pretty scary. At least my my kid thought so. Yeah. Yeah, but I I I, I kind of don't want to watch Kung Fu Panda three, but I feel like now I kind of I owe it to her a little bit. <laughs> uh, we, we're gonna do it. I think we'll just make it a thing. We'll close off the series. I don't remember that. I remember an alternate dimension and a whole village of pandas, and that's all I remember. There's even more pandas. There's more. There's lots of pandas. <laughs> <laughs> Are they uh, all okay, well, voiced by Jack Black? That would be. I would. I would actually. Would. <laughs> <laughs> Are they all Kung Fu are. pandas? Ooh. I think they heal people or something. It's I don't remember it being very good. <laughs> I don't remember it being very good. They all Medics have like magic are the powers. Worst. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're they're pretty bad. Oh, they transport him to another dimension, I think. I don't know. I don't know. See, I'm not I, looking forward to it, but I'm going to show it That's the part that I'm like, what? What? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. It's Kung Fu Panda 3. What? I don't know what else you're expecting from Kung Fu Panda 3. I don't uh, know. <laughs> three times as much Kung Fu. That's all I'm asking. Um, <laughs> I've also seen a couple other big movies. I finished Drive My Car. Oh, good job. Still not sure what I think about that movie. I need to. I definitely need to talk to people about that one. But yeah, I, I don't really know. I don't really have much of an opinion other than I watched it, um, and I would like to know about the movie more before I give a judgment on it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And then last night when I was like, you know, had a fever, laying on the couch, I watched uh, Licorice Pizza, Ooh, which nice. is just it wasn't the setting for for Licorice Pizza for me. Um, I felt like I had to be in a better place, but you know, when you're really sick and you want like a nice comforting kind of movie, it was, it was definitely that. Um, it's it's got nice vibes. It does have nice vibes. The age thing kind of, kind of weirds me out a bit and I don't know what to think about that still, but it's got good vibes throughout. It it was good. I actually don't know if anyone knows what to think about that still. (laughs) You know, I'm just going to say, I don't, I don't think I like that. that. I don't like that either. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really like that, um, but I I love Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper is oh, yeah. amazing in this movie. Um, He's great. If like I was kind of sick at the time, but I remember thinking very distinctly to myself, "Man, if I hadn't taken Nyquil and, be, and was really tired right now, I'd be laughing my ass off." This is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that's what we've been watching. Um, those three things. Uh, I, hey, Dan. What's up? What's up? <laughs> um, so I'm I'm gonna say what's up is that my kids for the last like two years of their lives, which is most of their lives, have been watching the How to Train Your Dragon movies, mm. and they just watched it tonight. They just watched the second one tonight, which is mm. why I'm bringing it up. Um, but my opinion of these movies has like everly increased to be, I almost think these are like perfect animated movies. Um, I didn't think that the first time I watched them, I thought they were just average, like average DreamWorks animated stuff. Um, But they're like the imagery in them, the animation, the music, everything is perfect. Like I, I can't say enough about these movies. I actually really love them, and I, I think they're going to be staples in our house for a long time. So I, I am very curious to like see what you guys think about these movies. If, if you guys have watched them in a, as a family, or if um, I was actually going to bring these up when we were talking about Kung Fu Panda because I, I feel like I can't show her Kung Fu Panda. I can't show her How to Train Your Dragon until we finish the Kung Fu Pandas. Um, I really like that first one a lot. I don't remember the second one almost at all. And I never got around to the third one because uh, I, I, don't, I don't really know why. Same reason I didn't get watched Kung Fu Panda 3. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I really like that first one. I have, I have a lot of fondness for that. And uh, I think that Jay Baruchel is Hiccup and Gerard Butler is his dad are like are, are really fantastic casting. And I love hearing that like scrawny, squeaky voice. And then Gerard Butler, Scottish brogue. <laughs> yeah. Um, the second one has the guy with the staff, and he always twirls it around. He's like, yeah. Ah! 
and then all the dragons do whatever he wants. Um, okay. And then the mom is involved too. Yeah. Spoilers for the second one. The oh, mom's sorry. In the second one. <laughs> no, it's it, they've been out for a while, but I actually, <laughs> I actually honestly think the second one is the best one, and that the third might be the second best one. And as oh, okay. much as I like the first, it's my third favorite. Um, wow. Wow. So, okay. yeah, we, I, we would, just I would highly the, recommend. No, I was just going to say, we, we just watched the first one, I don't know, six months ago. Definitely enjoyed it a lot. Like, the kids liked it. So, maybe we'll have to go around and do number two soon, too. How about you rephrase that? <laughs> <laughs> watch the second one. <laughs> maybe we'll have to go do number two later let's find out <laughs> hey mike what's up ah, ah. uh that's terrifying uh, so this week we've been catching up on oscar nominees that's about it we've watched mm. a different oscar nominee every night um let's see what did i just watch i just watched the worst person in the world um, and that was, uh, interesting. Um, yeah, it was interesting. There's, uh, there's some cool stuff in it. Um, there's some, I don't know. I don't know. This resonated with a lot of people. Um, and I don't think it resonated as much with me because maybe like I'm 30 and married with kids. Um, and this is about someone who's 30 and doesn't know what they're doing with their life. I mean, I don't know what I'm doing with my life, but I know at least I have children. Um, and I got to do something with my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fair, yeah. Um, so uh, I think that maybe uh, it didn't resonate as much with me as with other people because of where I am in my life. Um, but it was definitely like beautifully filmed and, uh, you know, it's an Oslo and it's beautiful. I don't know it's there's a there's a really cool like there's there's a certain amount of dreamy um there's a dreamy quality to it what is that called magical realism um which i always i'm always down for um yeah nice i like how two of the reviews for like some of the highest praised movies of last year from you and jesse are like oh yeah (laughs) which i really respect because sometimes it feels like Film Twitter or film Instagram or whatever is like an echo chamber where everyone talks about the same three things for like a month. And the narrative that Drive My Car and Worst Person in the World were the best movies of last year, like was really annoying. (laughs) So I like hearing from people I trust that like, I don't know if it's all that in a box of chocolates. It's it's something. (laughs) Well, so there's this I mean, there's a character who almost seems like, you know, very elder millennial or young Gen X who has this this really like profound sort of monologue about um about life and and stuff. I don't, I don't want to go go into it, but it seems like this is very targeted at certain types of people who are film Twitter people. Um, uh-huh. And and it makes sense that this would hit home. And, and I don't want to, I don't mean any disrespect or anything from that. It's just that, that it doesn't resonate with me in my life in the way that I can definitely understand it resonating with someone else. And I'm like, like I value that in it. Um, I can see that value in it. I think so. Yeah. I, yeah. And I realize, uh, Dan, I'm sorry. I did not uh, ask if you had another what's up before I just threw it a mic so callously. Oh, 
Um, well, I accept your apology, Fido. And <laughs> um, I don't know. I personally, I'm watching Severance, which is oh. this new show. Um, it's with oh, how uh, is that? Yeah, it's what's his name, John Adams, or so, am I saying that wrong? The guy from Parks and Rec that plays Ben, not the second president of the United States, Adam Scott. No. Adam, oh, Scott. Adam Scott. Yeah. That's John right. Adams, that's awesome. Uh yeah, he has a name very generic. Um I'm like four episodes into it and it's good. I actually really dig it. I I like him as an actor and I like all everybody else. The um the main actress who's like a coworker of his in the show is really, really good. I, I meant to look her name up. But um, she's really, really good. The show is about kind of the workplace balance, like work, workplace life balance that we're all trying to find. And essentially, it's this dystopian world where you can sever your the memories of your life from those of your workplace. And so you can be a basically a different person the moment you go into your workplace and the moment you walk out of your workplace um, and all of that's in the trailer. So I don't think I'm giving anything away, but it's um, it's a really cool and dark way of portraying this kind of phenomenon of like living two different lives that we all kind of feel in a certain way by living, you know, at home and then at work. And um yeah, it's really good. It's really well done. Uh, ben Stiller is one of the producers, and uh, the writing's he's, really good. He's the, the main jokes. director too, isn't he? Oh yeah, yeah. I think it, he like he directed like all of them or something. I, I remember hearing that it was like really surprising. Yeah, actually, I think that's right. I think he is. Yeah, exactly. I remember seeing that he was like mostly involved in it, and it like the jokes are really good. The characters are really good. I don't know that I can say anything bad about this show. It's it's really well done. Oh, cool. So I'll have to give it nice. a try. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. That's something that I wish I could do in my life. <laughs> yeah, it's very relatable. That's what I like about it. But nice. Nice. Um, any, any last what's ups from anyone? No, 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 no. no. Nope. Everything's mm. down from here on out. all right let's get cracking then all right so we're talking again reminding you goodfellas from 1990 uh looking at this very helpful google doc that mike's put together mike i will not read it all verbatim i'm sorry i did that to you that one time but i thought it was really funny uh we're gonna start here with uh director martin scorsese heard of him he's the reason we're doing this and probably the reason that a lot of us like movies or at least i like movies basically um this was i mean he's already been so widely celebrated by the time he makes this he's already done taxi driver already done raging bull um, and this one just like launches him into the stratosphere, right? This is like, you're one of the best of all time. Um, it's written, uh, by Nicholas Pileggi and Martin Scorsese, um, based on Nicholas Pileggi's book where he interviewed Henry Hill, right? Mike? Yeah. It's a biography of Henry Hill. Mm-hmm. Nice. And also based on that biography is it's, uh, it's my blue heaven, right? With Steve Martin. There's like a there's a gangster comedy that that is also based on Henry Hill's oh, life. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, I think it's called that. I'm actually gonna check that real quick. Yeah, because Henry My Hill is now like 
Well, he, he's um, one of those like mafia commentators. He yeah, he, he's no longer in Witpro, and yeah. I mean, he could. He just couldn't Spoiler. stay in there. He he kept he kept like trying to he kept going to jail and stuff. He kept telling people who he was. <laughs> he kept doing mob stuff. <laughs> They're like, we want no part of you, and he's like, no, man, I know how to do it still. Um, yeah, but of course, you, you have a note here too about Nicholas Pelleggi, who's kind of made it you know, kind of his life's work to to work in these stories of of mobsters and and things they've done. He's going to come up again uh, later next episode. Um. So let's see here. Oh, this movie takes several liberties you've, you've mentioned here. Yes, it does take quite a few liberties with the truth. But I mean, I, I mean, I feel like this like an actual story about the mafia. Right. So um, there's a Italian film called Gomorrah, which is like about the mafia in Italy. And it's it's very true to life. It's and it's fairly mundane. Like there's some murders. Yeah. But most of it's like corruption. Most of it's like, you know, you want your trash taken out. Well, guess what? we got the squeeze on the trash companies and you're like, this is very unglamorous. <laughs> I don't want to hear about how you have like the garbage company by the balls. <laughs> um, a cinematographer here is, is Michael Ballhouse. He's going to show up again as is of course, Scorsese's lifelong editor, Thelma Shoemaker, um, who did, I think just recently pass. Right. Um, oh, right. did she wait? No, I, I saw on IMDb. She was working on, those are the flower moon, but maybe she, she really recently passed. No, she's not dead. Yet. I was I was confusing her with um, Quentin Tarantino's editor, who he worked okay. with for all of his movies, and she recently passed. Mm. My bad. That's why we have the internet here. Um, all right. So starting out, we got De Niro here as uh, as James Conway, um, kind of like the the aspirational gangster of this, right? Like he's the one that Henry Hill wants to be like. He's the guy that seems to be most in on the action. Um, the most careful, right? The one's not really going to get caught again. <laughs> um, we got Ray Liotta as Henry Hill. Uh, I was talking to Mike about this earlier. I wanted to see what you and Jesse and uh, Dan, you guys think. I think he's he's like a really handsome, good-looking dude. Like he's got great eyes, but I think he's like 5% too creepy. Is that is that a good read? Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure if creepy is the right word, but I know what you mean. It's on the tip of my tongue, but yeah, it's not... It's like too um, manic. It's like he's got it's like five percent too manic. He's got a really weird laugh. Anytime he laughs, I'm like, what is that face? It is bizarre yeah. and it, that, it's off putting, but also maybe that's like I wanna think that that's on purpose, but maybe that's just you know, Ray Liotta's like default laugh <laughs> like maybe that's how he laughs in real per- in real life i don't know that's why he got the role yeah i mean <laughs> they just asked I, him to laugh <laughs> yeah i don't know uh i don't know if it's just ray leota but the impression that that laugh gives me is that he's trying really hard like he's trying really hard to have a good time he's trying really hard to fit in right now mm-hmm. so i i think it ends up working but yeah that, I guess it's my impression of the guy. He just seems to be trying really hard, which works well in the, in this movie, but does give him like a creepy, unpleasant feeling about him. Like, you're oh, like, you're, you're like too intense. Yeah. Yeah. You're trying want too, this hard. too much. Just, just chill out a little bit and act like, I don't know, Paul, what, Polly or whatever. Polly. Like, yeah. Yeah. Polly's just like lumbering about smoking his cigar. Be like that guy. <laughs> It, I think it's it's the way that every time he laughs, he like looks around at everyone. 
you know, like, I, yeah. this is so funny. Isn't this so funny? We're all having such a <laughs> yeah. great time. You guys are my friends. <laughs> yeah. It's like how I laugh when I'm on this show. And uh, the only reason I'm not turning around is because you're both in front of me. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, you I also think that... Of that you have a better face. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also think that if he didn't laugh that maniacally, he might be too likable. Like he, he is a very likable character and mm-hmm. if he didn't have something weird or off putting about him, maybe he'd be yeah, too likable or too relatable and the kind of the insanity of his life wouldn't make as much sense. Mm-hmm. Like the drug use and all that wouldn't make as much sense oh, yeah. if he didn't have something a little off about him. That's right. true, yeah. I feel like it's perfect for this role. Like, like you're saying, I mean, this guy is supposed to be likable and he's supposed to be whatever he's charismatic and he's like, he's, you know, going around and like everyone knows him and stuff, but you're like, Oh man, I like this guy. But as we watch the movie, we sort of get these layers peeling off and realizing that at the deep core, we've got something kind of rotten here. He's an ogre. Yeah. Ogres are like wonderful. (laughs) Wonderful. Yeah. Ogres. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, okay. I, I think we should talk more Ray Liotta too as, as we go because, I mean, most yeah. of this movie hinges on uh, how we feel when he talks to us and how we feel like when the camera, you know, zooms in on his face. Um, but then bringing up the the rear here for our main trio is uh, is Joe Pesci here. Uh, Tommy DeVito, you know, very, very close character to my heart, very close actor to my heart. Um, my wife said that when I get angry, she said this before, I don't know if I shared this in the podcast, that I turn into Joe Pesci. Uh, <laughs> Joe Pesci is Tommy DeVito? It's actually Joe Pesci in in Home Alone 2. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You did say that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's when it's when the pigeon is too close to him and he, he starts hitting it with the newspaper and it doesn't move. <laughs> he gets really angry at it. <laughs> um, I don't know if anyone does does like... Uh, does rage like Joe Pesci does. It's amazing. The the, the F words that come flying out of this guy's face. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> um, we got uh, Lorraine Bracco as Karen. Uh, the great Paul Sorvino as Pauly. Got Frank Sivero as uh, Frankie Carbone. Um, Mike, you, you wrote down Mike Starr here. Wh- who is Mike Starr? Yeah, Mike Starr. Um, Mike Starr is, he's the guy who looks a little bit like John Goodman. Uh, he's, he, I don't know, he's one of the crew members for the Lufthansa heist, and he also showed up in Dumb and Dumber, which is on the pod. Right. He played the, uh, the hitman who's hired to yeah. take out the gas Dumb man. And Dumber. Yeah, the gas man. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> exactly. Um, he was also in Miller's Crossing, that's, which came out yeah. in 1990 as well. Two big, um, mob movies and Miller's Crossing. We almost did Miller's Crossing in this series, but then it changed into Scorsese. So, you know. Good call. I, yeah. when, when I saw Mike Starr, I was like, oh, that's Mike Starr. That's so great. I didn't know he was in Goodfellas. <laughs> <laughs> that's a real star right there. Look at Mike. <laughs> uh, we got uh, we got Chuck Lowe as as Maury. He's got, from Maury's wigs, you know, they, they don't come off. I, I love oh. that, that TV commercial where it just cuts when he jumps in the water. It just does a hard <laughs> cut to him outside the pool again. <laughs> <laughs> with dry hair. <laughs> I was really, really bad last commercial. I was I was laughing really hard and I was like, wow. But I wonder if people believed that. 
I don't know. Did they know about the wonders of video cutting technology? Uh, anyway, uh, we got Michael Imperioli here uh, as Spider. Um, and, you know, poor Spider. I feel bad for Spider every time I see this movie. Uh, that guy got a raw deal. Uh, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Um, so this one is a big player in the Oscars race. Also, like one of the most um, neglected movies in Oscars history. Uh, it wins a Best Supporting Actor for Joe Pesci, which is right and just, of course. Um, but it loses its Best Picture to Dances with Wolves, which um, choosing between these two three-hour movies, I would pick Goodfellas every single time. <laughs> Although it's not I even say, three I, hours. It's two and a half. Right? Yeah. Um, the extended version of Dances with Wolves is actually pretty good. The one that's three, that's like four hours long. That one's pretty good. The three-hour one is, I, yeah. I don't have a lot of patience for that one. Um, Whoopi Goldberg wins over uh, Lorraine Bracco, who is nominated in Best Supporting Actress. Can I, can I just throw in somebody else who's in this movie? So, you know, um, it's the guy who's helping him get into the Witness Protection Program, the FBI guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is the real FBI guy who got Henry Hale to join witness protection for the FBI. He's that a real FBI wild. agent. Yeah. Hmm. Didn't even bother to get an actor. Like, all right, you did this in real life. Just come do this again. Do you remember your lines? <laughs> <laughs> well, he seemed like he really knew what he was doing. A lot of confidence. A yeah. lot of confidence. Yeah. 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 I, I bought it. I believed it. Um. But anyway, sorry. Uh, uh, yeah. Lorraine Bracco loses Best Supporting Actress to Whoopi Goldberg in Ghost, which, I mean, that's that's fine. That's She does great in Ghost. You can't take that away from her. Um, but it's – and you're saying here, Mike, that Nicholas Pileggi and Martin Scorsese lost their adapted screenplay? They lost it to Dances with Wolves, yeah. The injustices never cease. Yeah, D- Dances with Wolves got seven Academy Awards this year. And shut out The Godfather Part 3, which also came out in 1990, and almost shut out Goodfellas. I wonder if, like, because Godfather Part 3 and Goodfellas came out in the same year, and we've also got, like, Miller's Crossing, we've got three big gangster movies. Like, I wonder if that's part of why, you know, Dances with Wolves rose to the top, because split the vote or whatever between the... Sure. I mean, it's it's also like the... It's a, it's a new Western after Westerns have been yeah, dead for true. a long time. Um, there was like this, this sense that, oh, we could get a revival. You know, we could, we could really get something done here. And then like, I think that peaks a couple years later with Unforgiven, which we've covered on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. I think that that does us for the cast and the crew. People will be showing up, not showing up in, in upcoming episodes. So I'm actually kind of excited to see how much overlap there's going to be. Um, all right. Uh, nostalgia. Moving into our nostalgia segment here. Uh, Dan. What is your nostalgia or your first impressions of this one? Uh, yeah, I don't have a whole lot of nostalgia. I The first time I watched Goodfellas, um, I was actually working a job that occasionally would have a lot of downtime. And my coworkers, they, they knew I was into movies and they they could not believe that I'd never seen Goodfellas. And so they were like one night when we didn't have any work to do and our boss basically didn't care what we did. They were, they were like, Dan, we got to watch Goodfellas. So (laughs) they put Goodfellas on the TV and it was like kind of far away from us, but we could all see it. And I was really tired because it was night shift. And 
we watched Goodfellas and I, it was just the worst conditions possible. I did not appreciate it. <laughs> I think I fell asleep a couple times. Um, Ooh. Which, yeah, like looking back, I, I kind of despise myself a little bit for falling asleep <laughs> in the middle of it. Um, so the second time I watched it was actually today. Like, oh, wow. Um, and I can oh, honestly say this is kind of my first time really watching it. And yeah, I I was blown away. I I can't believe that this movie, like I've never seen this movie. I can't believe that um, Martin Scorsese, like I can't believe I haven't watched only his movies my entire life. Um <laughs> Yeah, I I'm very excited to talk about this. I I didn't realize just how much like just how much I'd be excited to po- to talk about this movie until I watched it today. And um <laughs> yeah, that's my nostalgia. Is basically in the last 12 hours I fell in love with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a whirlwind romance. I love that. Uh yeah. how, how about wow. you, Mike? Oh, wait, actually, you know what? You know what? Jesse um, you know, you've seen this movie three or four times, you know, and you, you have a long, well-documented history on the pod talking about how much you love Goodfellas, right? Yeah. Well, I hate to say it, you know, it's, it's going to blow Mike's mind, but uh, I've never seen Goodfellas before. What? <laughs> you've never seen Goodfellas before? How is that possible? I don't know. How do I not but, know this? Well, you should know it because I've told it to you like 10 times. And I know that's not a genuine reaction this time, but the other 10 times, it's all been genuine reaction. And I feel like a lot of those times it was like recorded too. (laughs) I think it might have been. I think it has been recorded. Honestly, Uh, if Vito, Vito, if you hadn't, uh, if you hadn't lined that up, I probably would have given that fully. uh, (laughs) It's just, it's just hard for me to believe that you like I, it's just this is a movie that you should have seen. You know, you should love for uh, from the time you were a child. You know, this is something I don't know why, but it just feels like this Jesse is... and Goodfellas go together like peanut butter and jelly. You know, you're right. That, that makes sense. Like now that I think about it, I think my dad probably had this on the TV a few times, but I don't know. I I walked in. I think I would walk in at some slow parts or whatever. I'm like, eh, I don't care, and then I like walk out. Um, I think that was my relationship with Goodfellas for a long time. I, I know my dad has seen it. I, I think he likes it. I think he does. Um, I mean, he saw it, so he likes it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> go with that. Um, yeah, but I think, uh, I don't know. I think I was too young to watch it at first, and then he just kind of, like, I, I feel like this should have been something where, where we would have like watched it together. I think he just lost track of what movies I'd seen and I, and or hadn't or something like that. Um, so I, yeah, I have heard about this movie for years and I don't know. I, I never felt motivated to see Goodfellas for some reason. I just, I felt like it'd be overhyped <laughs> because it's always like on the best movie list of all time. And whenever I see a movie that I haven't seen that's on the list, I'm like, is it really all that though? Is it? Can you say that? <laughs> so then I, and then I'm like, ah, oh, no, I got to forget that I saw that list, and then I'm gonna come back to it with genuine ambition, and like, gonna, I'm gonna appreciate it. So anyway, so it wasn't until this pod a couple days ago where I watched Goodfellas for the first time, and I really, dude, this movie's great. This is so. This is a. Uh, 
This is a real gangster movie. This is like some real mafia shit going on here, guys. And it's just <laughs> tunnel vision just focused on like one dude throughout. It's not the grand mafia. It's just like this one guy and going through all of it with him and his wife, who also gets like a narration aspect. Um, yeah, and I love I I love this epic like twenty five year journey of this guy falling in love with the mafia, falling out of love with it, falling back in love with it, getting in too deep. And yeah, it's great. I love it. I'm, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I was so worried. <laughs> <laughs> that is great news. Uh, wow. I'm, I can't believe yeah. we've got like two, two new Goodfellas watchers here with us. This is great. And they, and you both love it. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, it's really the do. best possible outcome. It really is. Because <laughs> sometimes with these ones, like especially for some of my favorite movies that we've done, it, there's a lot of fear. A lot of fear going in if either Mike or Jesse or, or now now Dan, if Dan hasn't seen it, I'm like, am I going to have to spend this pod fighting for my life here or am I going to find some allies? And I was I was really dreading. I was like, man, if one of them don't like Goodfellas, we're going to have a fight. <laughs> <laughs> so I, we're not going to have a fight. <laughs> Honestly, I was scared to watch it because there was so much hype around it. I like I was worried I wouldn't like it as much as everybody else. And now I can't believe I've never seen it. I'm like genuine, genuinely excited to see it again anytime in the future. And yeah, it's gotten me like even more excited to watch anything Scorsese. I'm kind of like, you know what? If he can make something this amazing in the 90s, like in 1990, he can do anything. And, um, yeah, it's made me excited about this whole series, to be honest. Yeah. Hooray! I, I really agree with, with Chris Ryan <clears throat> over on the watch when he, he called that killers of the flower moon is going to be best picture next year. I'm kind of like, you know what? After seeing Goodfellas again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, Which is Mike, crazy about, about a movie you haven't seen, right? Like, oh, yeah, but uh, it is. It's just going to be. It's just going to be. It's going to be. It's going to be a stone cold masterpiece. Even like The Irishman, which I don't love, was like good. You know, it's a good movie. Is it long? Yeah. Is it kind of boring? Yeah. It's good, though. Yeah. It's, yeah. We'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it more. Mm-hmm. Mike, how many times have you seen Goodfellas? You know, I think I've only seen it maybe four times. Um, I uh, The first time I saw it was in college, um, and it was on a, my shitty laptop. Um, late one night and I turned it on. I was like, oh my gosh, what is this movie? And I didn't sleep that night, um, which I feel is the right thing to do when you're watching this movie is to like not sleep the first time you see it. Um, that gets you in the right mindset. Uh, and, you know, I've seen it a few times over the years. It's, it's just fantastic. Uh, love it. Yeah, I, I got to echo that too. I, I saw it also in college. It was freshman year. I think it was like the first month of freshman year. And I had the Blu-ray that I bought and I had this little, because this is like, this is 2011, okay? I Blu-ray players in laptops, it was quite expensive. And this was right before, you know, everyone just decided that laptops don't need disk drives. <laughs> um, but I had this little portable Blu-ray player. And, and it had like a tiny little screen. And the screen is probably like this. I'm holding my fingers out. Um, just imagine a really tiny screen that would be terrible to watch Goodfellas on. And then that's what I watched on. <laughs> but it was still... It's, some, it's one I'd wanted to see ever since I was a kid because I, I'm Sicilian and so Goodfellas is brought up all the time right alongside The Godfather and it was always in, in, in my circles it was always seen as like the fun movie. Godfather was like the movie and then this was the fun movie and I forever wanted to see it and it blew, it blew my mind. 
it blew my mind and I've seen it. I've probably seen it like eight times. Like this movie qualifies in my household. My wife loves it too. My wife will watch it by herself when I'm not there. Uh, this qualifies as a watch anywhere for us. There was a okay. period. My Sorry. My wife really loved it too. She rated it five stars and she had also not seen it before. Nice. Nice. Uh, this makes me so happy. Spreading the good fellas love. <laughs> but this is, there was a period early on in our marriage after she'd watch it for the first time where we would just be like, do you watch Goodfellas? <laughs> she'd be like, yeah, let's watch Goodfellas. <laughs> so, and I think we probably saw it two or three times like that in, in the first like year of our marriage. Um, Got a little Goodfellas out there. But the great thing about this movie is that it has a really quick refresh rate. Like if you go a year without seeing it, you're good to go. <laughs> Jump back in. Um, but yeah, this is this is a huge one for me. Um, to the point where I was discussing with my wife, like when I could conceivably show this to my kids, because I, I waited till college. My parents didn't want me to see this. Um, the violence was always cited as a reason why. And I'm going to say, like me and my wife are talking, we're, we're, we're thinking like 14, 15 years old. Like this movie rules. This movie's so good. I don't, I don't want to withhold cinema from my kids. Uh, this is this is what this is one of the things that make that made me love movies so much. And uh, yeah, so I, I'm I'm gonna go bold. I'm saying 14, 15, and I I can't wait. Might even be a little too old. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. What, I, what do you think, Dan? I think you're. I think you're right that this is like this is peak cinema for whatever that means. Um, this is. Like it does everything well. It does the music well. It does the acting perfectly. the The script is great. Everything's just hitting on all, you know, all cylinders. Um, the violence is really the only thing that makes me hesitate as far as showing it to my kids. And at the end of the day, that might be determined by like how my kids react to violence in general, and that might be kid specific. Um, I would, I would venture to say like 16, 17 as a average, but also that, yeah, it really depends. Like my oldest son, he might be totally fine, you know, with violence at 15 or 14. And so I might, I might venture that, that young for him, but then for my daughters, it might be a little later. I don't know, but definitely as, as early as possible, I, I think they need to see this movie to see what like what the what the hubbub's all about and to see what real fa- filmmaking is about yeah I, I when jesse likes to jesse's the one that pioneered the concept of like um a dad movie being one that you know your kids associate with you man i, I really want goodfellas associated with me like really really badly because it's 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 part of my family's heritage it's a part of my it's a, such a huge part of my life um i don't want to step on our future segment here but it, this this is an all-timer uh for me uh, what, what what do you think, Jesse? Do you want Goodfellas associated with you? When when, when would you show this to them? Tomorrow? I mean, I, do, I do want it associated with me, but coming up with an age is really hard. And for me, it's not the the violence. Like, the violence is bad. That needs to be taken into account of how old they are. But it, it's sort of showing uh, this mobster lifestyle as something to... Like you feel disappointed at the end when he's when Henry Hill's not in it, and you see that he's that he's such a loser. He's just you know, a fucking all, schnook. And all <laughs> and in all reality, he he's me at that point, right? He's like that. That's my <laughs> life, right? He's like, oh man, what a loser. Oh yeah, that's me. Um, like I I don't 
that's my only hesitation to uh, really showing it to my kids. And this, I, I, I'm just going to say it's going to have to be a case-by-case basis. Like, how rebellious are they? How much are they saying, like, <laughs> I want to get involved in bad things because good things are boring and stupid. Um, I want to be like, I want to get into this sort of stuff. Uh, this sort of stuff. Um, I, I don't think they, of a box truck, you know? <laughs> I don't think, that, yeah, obviously they won't. I don't think they'll actually do that. I don't know of any... Uh, organized crime selling c- cigarettes from from trucks in in my area but uh <laughs> like i just i don't want to inflame that that sort of rebellious mentality in them and this movie is definitely like i think you have to be mature to kind of analyze that after the fact uh so i'd have to look at the maturity of my kids before i showed it to them but otherwise yeah it, it'd have to be very late teens um but also i think you know, it's funny, all of us, like, none of our parents showed it to us, and we kind of all, like, stumbled upon it on our own. It kind of makes me wonder, maybe that's the way Goodfellas should be treated? I was rebellious enough as it was. Goodfellas wasn't going to make me worse. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like I, I want to, I'd like to show this to my kids, but I, I also feel like uh, later teens, I, there's a lot of cussing in this movie, you know, like this is one of the most uh, cussing. This is one of the cussiest movies out there. Um, I'm not really too concerned about the violence. Like it's not that, I don't know, but like, yeah, there's, there's a message here that needs to be, uh, needs a little bit of grown up sort of, or, or mature treatment maybe. Um, like, it's definitely, uh, I mean, the, the story is, well, it, it's showing, it, the way it's showing it to us is like, we get the glamour, we get why this guy wants to do this stuff. It's glamorous, it's awesome. Um, and uh, it takes a while to sort of pull back the covers on that, and you sort of realize like, oh, no, this, is, this isn't really a good way to live. Um, but even there, it's kind of like, there's some, something of a wink going on as well at the at the end i i think um so i don't know i i think late teens like 17 18 is, is around when my kids will be ready oh fantastic i i knew i knew that mine would be way young uh <laughs> this is i mean my son's my son has already seen this uh he woke up while we were watching it and he couldn't fall asleep while we were watching it so you know that's well, if that's the measure that's we're using, then then both my kids are saying this. Yeah. I mean, also, when when my I don't know if I told this story before, but when my daughter was born, my first daughter, the first movies that she watched in her life, um, approximately days four through eight of her existence, uh, we watched all the Dirty Harry movies together. Uh, <laughs> so, amazing. <laughs> that's that's kind of where I'm at as a dad. Uh, I, I go too young. I go the traumatizing route. Um, <laughs> but I, that's great. I, I, I do want to actually kind of dive into... Um, some of our favorite scenes. And I also want to talk a little bit more, Jesse, um, about what you were saying uh, as we get into like the meat of the movie. Um, Mike, you wanted to start us off. I mean, you picked the most famous scene, you know, classic Mike. So just go ahead. Hey, I made the Google Doc. I get to pick my scene first. Um, Dan and Jesse don't even have a scene here. So uh, the Copacabana scene. When um, when, uh, Ray Liotta... uh, when Hank takes uh, takes Karen on a date, finally, he's stood her up and he has to take her on a date. And she's like, well, it's got to be a good one. And he takes her to the Copa- Copacabana. And it's just it is 
everything that I have ever wanted to be. He walks in, he gets to cut the line. He's greeting every single person he passes there. Everyone knows him. Everyone loves him. And then they take him to the very front. I mean, it's just, it's like, it's glamorous. I definitely understand why anyone would be like, all right, I'm in love with this guy. I am going to marry him. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what he does. I don't care. This is the only way to live. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's beautiful. And like, just the way they film this too is fantastic. It's a one shot and it's one shot. And I guess they had to like construct the hallway, um, or in, in front of them and deconstruct it behind them as they're going, because it wasn't long enough to do everything they wanted to do. And they had to create different obstacles. I mean, it's, it's, a just a fantastic piece of filmmaking, you know, it's film, and it's beautiful and it's so amazing. And then finally they pull the table out in front of everybody else. And everyone's like, oh yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's Henry Hill. Like we, we love this guy. He's our friend. This is beautiful. It's amazing. Yeah. They literally make a table for him. The table yeah. wasn't there to begin. They, 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 they make it appear with the tablecloth and everything. I, I love that. Totally. that. It's like, it's one of the most famous tracking one shots in, in all cinema history because of, of how, like kind of impressive and startling it is. Um, I love how when, if you follow, like it's really hard to, to follow exactly where they're going. Cause there's so much going on. Um, but I've seen this enough times that I was, I was really trying to track where they're going. So they enter and they go left, they go right, they go right, <laughs> they go left. <laughs> <laughs> they go all the way around the kitchen back to where they started and then just go left, which is the same as if they'd walked into the into the building and just gone right. <laughs> Their three lefts made one right. <laughs> but That's it's amazing. so cool and it has to be long and it has to seem labyrinthine because uh, you're, you're kind of descending. There's been a ton of analysis and criticism about what this means, you know, why he did this. And it's really supposed to be like this descent into into hell. Uh, for for Karen's character, you know, he's walking her down into the red basement, um, and and he's the prince, you know. And it, it, I thought that's just very striking, amazing imagery. Whether he intended to do that or not, it looks amazing, and that can be inferred from it, which is pretty yeah. rad. It's, yes. it's the song so choice, rad. perfect. Oh. What's that song, Vito? Um, I forget what it's called. Oh, okay. Thought you had it at the Wait. tips of your fingers. <laughs> it's uh i'm gonna find it here hang on that's oh, all right it's all right no i have to know now i have to know i'm gonna hold up everything while i look at this oh it's then he kissed me by the crystals oh yeah oh, that's, that's right great, yeah. yeah 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 that's it's a great scene um i also this is one of probably only two scenes where you really see that his lifestyle that the lifestyle he gets from the mob is uh, it's really cool. It's something that anybody would want. Um, like the others. Well, all right. Maybe this other scene doesn't back it up that much, but the scene where they kidnap the mailman because his dad is beating on him. And they're like, <laughs> just, just so the mailman won't deliver letters from school to his house. It's like, <laughs> Oh man, it'd be like, they're really sticking we up for this didn't guy. Get much like, mail after that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I, it really shows you that he's getting something out of this that is out of the ordinary, right? Like he can select which letters are going to arrive to his house because they kidnap him, shove his face in the oven. 
Um, he gets to have a table appear in front of him in, in this really nice restaurant where everybody's waiting in line for a really long time. He doesn't have to wait in line for anything ever. He can just go and things appear for him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's the, it's the appeal of the mobster life, right? Um, yeah, that I, is the appeal. And they're, they're so, I, I, I like finally seeing why somebody would choose to do it because normally that's not made nearly as clear. Um, normally it's like a, a power or something, but no, it's glamour. It's living the high life. Yeah. And actually just in perfect counterpoint to that, my favorite scene is a scene that, um, my wife and I quote all the time to each other. It's a scene that uh, it's, it's legendary. It's 50 seconds long. Uh, I sent it in the group chat. You guys can look at it. I might even tag the audio here. It's when uh, Karen flushes the Coke down the toilet when the cops are going to come in and Henry comes home and he's trying to find it. <laughs> and it's just the line, Karen, why did you do that? That was $60,000. We needed that money, Karen. And then she's like, she's like in hysterics, like screaming on the floor, just like, I had to, they would find <laughs> And he's just like slapping the wall. <laughs> and it's, it's great because like things have finally gone so, so wrong. Um, and every, in every conceivable way. And, they keep getting worse and worse as the movie goes on. The, the the fuck ups become worse. And this is truly like, this is the end of the rope. You know, there's, there's almost nothing left for this. <laughs> and I, I love that in this scene, which is so emotionally intense, it's also just really funny. <laughs> and just the way that she's like on the, like flat on the floor. And then he slaps the wall like three or four times. <laughs> I love this scene so much. And, and so my wife, Jillian, when, when she's actually dumped things out like a, like a leftover that I was going to eat, she'll get rid of it. We're like, Jillian, why did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's something that's become a part of our lives, and I I, I never really get a chance to bring it up or talk about it. Um, but I, I wanted to share like this movie is so is so big in in my life and in my family's life. Like we're we're, we're dropping lines from it. Um, you know, not many movies have made it into our lexicon, uh, but this is one. I will say that the modern like 2020 Karen meme did affect my watching of this scene. <laughs> Karen! Any, anytime they said the word Karen, I'm just like, oh, I can't not think about what a Karen means in 2022. Um, so I, I she, she she goes she goes full Karen on the on the buzzer for that uh, for that um, that apartment building. You know, she's, oh, she's speaking to the stupor. <laughs> I wanted you to know that you have a whore in there. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Maybe that's the origin story of the Karen, right? <laughs> the, the first Karen was was her trying to scare off her husband's uh, girlfriend while holding her two kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, uh, Dan, what what's your favorite scene? I, I'm I'm waiting. I'm on tenterhooks, as Mike says, because we're looking nice. at this Google Doc. And uh, and neither Dan nor Jesse have filled it out, and I, so I don't know. Yeah i I have a hard time with favorite scenes when it is my first time, because I feel like on the first watching, you are just kind of like digesting it, like everything all at once, and so it's hard to pick out like what was my favorite part to to digest. I'm still like trying to figure out, you know, what I think about everything and all the characters. Um, but the scene that did kind of stand out and was like 
really hilarious. I loved when Joe Pesci was, um, was asking, um, the main character. I can't even think of his name right now. Henry Hill. Henry Hill. Yeah. Asking him about like, you think I'm funny? Like, like, what do you mean <laughs> funny? Like how funny yeah. do you think I'm like a clown and I amuse you? <laughs> <laughs> and that scene went so long and was so awkward and like made you feel everything that Henry Hill's character was feeling. And it's so well done. And it's, it, it reminded me almost, almost like a Tarantino scene where it just, it's relying fully on the acting and the script and is just priceless. And like that scene will stick with me for sure. Um, long after I've, you know, forgotten about other scenes in the movie, I think that scene will stick with me. So I think it's that- a great scene. It's an all timer. Um, also so, like a line that transcends the movie almost. And you can, you can use that in, in, in day-to-day speech and, and a lot of people will get the reference, you know? Um, I, it is, it's so uncomfortable. You know, I remember the first time watching it, I was just like, I was like twisting around. <laughs> you know, yeah, apparently Joe, Joe Pesci improvised that too. He improvised that funny how. <laughs> yeah. I, I heard that like half of this movie is just improv, like at least half of it. Like half of it isn't even scripted and it was just Scorsese told them like, Hey, just go into this room. And like one of you has to say this and the other has to say this. And like the rest you can kind of figure out as you go along. And yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It is incredible. Yeah. Like the scene where they, uh, where they, um, when they go to the mom's house after they've, uh, you know, after, they've taken out what's his name the made man um like that whole thing is just completely improvised like they didn't know what was going on no one like she didn't know that there was supposed to be a body in the trunk like the <laughs> knife thing was completely made up by joe pesci at the t- at the moment like it's just he, completely he got he got his little he's got his foot it's, it's, it, what, what do you call it you know but <laughs> <laughs> we gotta we gotta cut it off we gotta cut it off all right I'll, I'll, go, I'll bring it back to you hoof <laughs> 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 oh yeah that, that's great how, how about you jesse what, what's your favorite or do you uh, have well, one it's already been taken the coke cabana scene was was really good uh, and then also the uh the, how am i funny <laughs> do, am i a clown do i amuse you uh yeah yeah those are those are my favorite scenes of the movie i've yeah, already been touched on uh but yeah i think uh yeah, the am I funny? Just it's so. It really shows you just how tense things can be on a dime, and I love that. Mm-hmm. I love knowing that. Oh yeah, in this fancy restaurant that everybody's in, underneath all that, there's a guy with a gun who can just pull the trigger whenever he feels like it, and he's unhinged. And so yeah. it's everybody else at the table, probably, and that's terrifying, and also exhilarating. Like you want to see more of that. You want to see where all this can go. And, and it uh, finally kind of explodes, right, from from Joe Pesci with, with Spider, you know, like yeah. he's threatened to kill, you know, he's messing with Henry, you know, he's friendly with Henry and Spider, you know, looks down on him. And, uh, and when he ends him, you know, <laughs> everyone's like, what's wrong with you? Like what, Jimmy, Jimmy says, like, what are you like some sort of fucking sick maniac? Like, what's wrong with you? Why did you why would you do that? And then he's like and he's like, wait, well, you're there. You're busting my balls. He's like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm kidding with you. 
I'm kidding with you. And then you killed him. <laughs> like, like, what's <laughs> wrong with you? And then I love what he says. He's like, no, you know what? No, you're going to dig the hole. Okay. I don't got any lime. <laughs> you're digging the hole. <laughs> <laughs> like that was his punishment. Like, oh man, yeah. now he's got to dig a hole. <laughs> yeah. He's he's you like, act uh, like I never uh, dug a hole before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, well, awesome. So, so I guess it's hard to talk about Goodfellas, and this is what I was always afraid of in talking about Goodfellas: is that, in my opinion, this is a perfect movie, and it's really hard to talk about perfect movies because uh, you really just want to just relive your favorite scenes over and over again. Like if we just sat here and we just did like did a live read of the script, that'd be fantastic. I'd have a great time. Um, I think we do need to move into some questions and get deeper into this movie. Um, Jesse, you had posed the question earlier and then you scratched it. And so I stole it because I actually really want to know what we think about this is, uh, well, it was your question originally. How about you ask it? Uh, sure. So uh, we've already covered the Godfather before and it's the only real like mafia gangster movie we've done. So which do you think is better? The Godfather or Goodfellas as a gangster movie? It's the age-old question. IMDb has been tearing itself up back when that was the only place to talk about movies. MySpace was tearing itself up. <laughs> now Twitter's tearing itself up every day about what is better, Goodfellas or The Godfather. And I think they're the same. <laughs> I, I don't I don't I don't know Ooh. if I can I'm not even gonna say they're like flip sides of the same coin. They're 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 not. They're they're not they're focused on almost entirely different things. Like The Godfather is an opera. And Goodfellas is punk rock. Um, the Godfather is this sweeping epic of, of betrayal. And Goodfellas is like, uh, it's like a, a direct adrenaline shot right to your heart. I, I, I can't fault Goodfellas for being more entertaining than The Godfather. And I can't fault The Godfather for being more epic than Goodfellas. Like, there's nothing wrong with either of them. Maybe Sonny's death is like a little cheesy. Okay, maybe that. Maybe that's like the only thing wrong with The Godfather. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have an answer for this. Uh, and I've been thinking about it for 11 years. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't really have an answer for it, which is why I, I didn't want to ask the question all of a sudden. Uh, except to say, like, yeah, I think, I think, they're, I think it's like you're saying they're, they're it's, it's like picking apples and oranges and asking what's your favorite fruit. And like, I don't know, one's an apple, one's an orange. Um, uh, they're they're comparable on the level that they're gangster, but like the you know the idea that the Godfather is this big sweeping epic where you're you're getting the sense of the entire mafia and its operations out in Italy, in Las Vegas, and the second one down in in Cuba, I think, and then uh, not not just you know hitting some random punks off. Um, it's showing their huge large scale operations. Um, and that's, and then, uh, you know, passing down the leadership from father to son gives it a very strong, larger than life epic scale. And then you've got Goodfellas, which is, um, you know, it's like tunnel vision stuck on one guy. This is just one guy going through everything that we saw in the Godfather, but on like far closer to the street, uh, you know, like it's mentioned at one point in Goodfellas, like where Paulie says, uh, don't you get involved with that garbage uh, talking about cocaine, which is like a debate that they have in The Godfather, like, a, you know, with uh, with a supplier. And I think it comes up with 
the families too. Um, so you're seeing the larger implications of all that. And then you see the smaller ones in Goodfellas. And like, I, I don't really know how to say one is, is better than the other, but I will say Goodfellas seems more realistic and the Godfather seems more like Greek tragedy. Um, yeah. Larger than yeah. life. Um, I, I could, I could see that. Cause there's, there's like there's every, most of the rooms in the Godfather are nice you know, mm-hmm. like they, they, most of the action takes place in idyllic settings until like the very end, the murder in the, uh, in, in, the, sorry, the middle, like the murder in the, in the restaurant. Right. But then even then it's like ship Michael off to Sicily. Right. And he's a gorgeous mm-hmm. Italian countryside. Oh, and this one yeah. is like, this one's like, you know, he, he grows up in a real poor part of town. He's, he's, he's at the taxi, he's at the cab stand, you know, he's selling cigarettes out of trucks and then he goes, he goes away for a little bit and he comes out and then there's a large portion of the movie spent in prison. And like, it seems pretty nice, you know, for prison, <laughs> but it's, it's prison. <laughs> um, this is like the street level view. You know, this, yeah. this has an air of like authenticity to it that the Godfather doesn't really seem to try for it. It, it, you don't really ever question it, but it doesn't seem like it's trying to, to be gritty, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, Vito and Michael Corleone, I, I don't see them as real people. They are like, I don't know, like, it's like Achilles and Hector from, from the mm-hmm. Iliad. And, but here's this Henry Hill guy. It's like, oh yeah, I, I can see myself in this guy quite a bit. Uh, or, yeah, or you met people. someone kind of like him. Exactly. Right, he he just seems very real. He is a real person um, in, in real life. Like this guy actually died. He lived this life. So, yeah. So I I guess if it if it comes to realism, then it's then it's Goodfellas. But if it comes to grand sweeping tale that tells like more about what the uh, mafia really is, then I think the Godfather gets at that better. But yeah, it's like it's different aspects. Yeah. What well, What do you guys think, Mike Dan? I mean, I think you guys uh, really put it well. Like, I think it's, I mean, what's better, um, apple pie or chocolate cake? I, I don't know. They're both fantastic. <laughs> one pie. is apple pie, one is chocolate cake. You're wrong, Vito. Um, but you just, said, you just said that there, I couldn't be. You just, you just said that. But you are. <laughs> so I, I, I think you guys hit the nail on the head. You know, one is one is more focused on like a street tough, like one of the one of the soldiers and the other one is about the the family and like the motivations are different and what what's being explored is different. And so both both give you that uh, sort of the descent of a of a character. There's something almost Shakespearean in both of them, like uh, in a tragic sort of way, like this person who wants something, you know, has a fatal flaw and ends up falling to darkness but um but i i think that you can have a lot of stories like that that are all equally good and they don't have to one doesn't have to be better than the other they must compete they must fight we, we need to know <laughs> since, match. since 1990 the world has been clamoring for the answer what is better <laughs> and i'll probably just go to my grave just being like i don't know i love them both though can i watch them in a row <laughs> <laughs> Do they come in a DVD set? <laughs> I would, I would love that. Just like a reel to reel. Like I want, I want, I just want one to start playing right after the other one's done, and then when when the other one's done, then Godfather Part Two starts. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I just never leave my couch. Uh, what do you, What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I think um, I remember in college there was a conversation I had where um, somebody said something to the effect of like. 
oh yeah, I remember reading Beowulf in high school. I didn't really like it. And somebody else in the conversation was like, no, no, no. Like you don't get to not like Beowulf. (laughs) 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 That's an appropriate response. That's amazing. Yeah. And like his, his whole point was like, it's, it's a it's a work of art that like surpasses any judgment because it's such a classic and it's like been such like so much recognition and so much you know analysis and so much history and so much culture is tied up in this work of art that like our opinions as you know 21st century millennials don't equal anything like you can say you don't like it but you might as well say that you don't like the grand canyon like <laughs> it doesn't mean anything and it doesn't take anything away from the Grand Canyon from you know from being this you know monument. Um That's incredibly well said. I have struggled with with trying to put that thought into words before and and you did a really good job. That that the Grand Canyon is the perfect example. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of the feeling I had when it came to this and the Godfather is like I can talk about which one I like more. Personally, I think the Goodfellas might be more rewatchable because of like how you feel like you can relate to Henry Hill's character. The music is so just amazingly enjoyable. Um, but if this, honestly, if this was Reddit, I would say I would say can confirm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I rewatched it way more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like that. So if that's your measure of like good movie is rewatchability then Goodfellas probably is going to win but like that doesn't take anything away from The Godfather as being the mafia movie of all time like it really is this like you said operatic epic movie that you know focuses on the family and focuses on all the characters of that family and you know does it in a way that all the music and everything is just perfectly epic. It's perfectly, you know, otherworldly. And this one is definitely not trying to be that. It's trying to be relatable. It's trying to make you feel like you could have been Henry Hill if you grew up on the right, you know, the right street at the right time in history. And yeah, so I feel like they both have different pros and cons or different pros and little to no cons. And so that's kind of my question about this movie is like, is there anything that we can reasonably critique about the movie? Is there anything that we think it could have done better or were there any scenes that we felt dragged any, anything that we could say, be like, Oh yeah, it was incredible. Except this 10 minutes here or that, that choice of music. There's actually something that Scorsese does a lot that I would I would point out. I don't I, I, as something I could see as being a criticism. I don't have a problem with it, but um, I can see why some people would. It's it's the same kind of deal with Wolf of Wall Street. Um, it's 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 the ending. Now, Wolf of Wall Street and and Goodfellas are actually pretty similar. You know, um, they're about a, a rise and a rise to to high highs and a descent into kind of like depravity and, and a kind of hell. And then the punishment, the come down afterwards, um, and in both cases, the punishment is is so brief, right? Um, the fall 
it's it's all about the rise and fall and then final 10 minutes is the punishment um if you could even call it that you know like jesse was saying uh he's just been reduced to being a normal guy which you know for for a maid you know for for a gangster is probably close to hell but it's not actually the end of wolf of wall street like yeah he doesn't have he's not doing you know quaaludes on his boat on his yacht you know in in the lake of his own buying but he he is having to sell pens you know He's still rich, but he's not as rich. And I think that's that's a criticism that I've seen is that even when when he makes movies about the dangers of excess, uh, he doesn't really talk enough about the danger <laughs> or about why it's bad. He just shows you the excess. And I, I would personally say that I think it's clear to those of, of you know, discerning mind, but um, it's certainly not spelled out. Uh, I'll, I'll say that for, for my answer to that question. Yeah, I. Well, talking about that part specifically, I think that's why I said I would I would want it for a later age um, in terms of showing it to kids because I don't think that they would fully get that. Like I really like when I saw the end, I felt like he had really descended. Um, even though it was like like I said, I made that connection. Like oh, he's just this is my life. Um, but I was I was so separated from my life watching this on the screen that I I really felt his fall right then. Um, sorry, but that that's in response to you, Vito, not in response to to Dan. And uh, I I guess I I've got one nitpick that I could think of. You, you kind of sprung this question on us last minute, so you didn't give me enough time to think of nitpicks here. But one nitpick would be like there's parts of the beginning where it freeze frames and then there's narration going on. And I think the freeze frames are a little too long. That's a nitpick. I disagree wholeheartedly. <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite shots anyway. in the whole movie is the freeze frame. Um, when the car blows up behind him, that is an indelible photograph. And I love that he lets me look at it for as long as I want it because I want that I want that hanging behind me. <laughs> I, I just I just realized that right now as I was saying it's like I want that right there. <laughs> I want to see yeah. it every day of my life. It's not that I don't like the freeze frames; they just last a teeny bit too long. It's like like I said, this is a real nitpick. <laughs> and like I said, Jesse, I disagree wholeheartedly. <laughs> oh, you actually disagree wholeheartedly. It's not even like sarcastic. Wholeheartedly, yeah. Not even I love every second of those freeze frames. What's something you didn't love then, Mike? What's what's one thing that you were like, eh. nothing. I'm I'm all the way in on this whole movie. You know, Mike, I'm just gonna say that is so you to like, oh yeah, here's a thing is completely frozen. My favorite thing. Exactly. <laughs> if if I could watch a two hour movie of just one still frame, I'd love it. You know, if, you, if you just look at a picture, you could do that for as long no. as you wanted. No, <laughs> it I get must you, be I, a movie. I'm going to get you one of those frame TVs, and then you can just put a picture on that. So it's like you're watching a movie, and it never ends. You just be looking at the TV, you know, and it'll be just be a picture. It will never move. You could sit there until your eyes fell out. How does that sound? It has to be on a service I pay fourteen ninety nine for every month. <laughs> Bravo. Bravo. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you're a you're a slut for that HBO Max, aren't you? <laughs> love my HBO Max. <laughs> okay. I, I have a I have a story that 
is similar to that. I um I was just getting this image of Mike not realizing that his screen had actually frozen and watching like 10 minutes of a movie. Um, <laughs> but I I was on a I was in an airplane one time and I plugged my headphones in because they had started a movie. Um, I think it was like Bridge to Terabithia, something, some like oh, that's kids. That one. Ooh. Yeah, I, I actually don't, I haven't seen the whole thing, but um, it was back when like you couldn't pick the movie you watched. They just played a movie and you oh, plugged yeah. your headphones mm-hmm. in and you were stuck with that movie. So I plugged my headphones in and it's like the opening credits and they're playing this really nice, like classical piece that just sounds really nice. And it's like, you know, showing random clips of this, this young girl's, you know, morning and she's doing stuff and putting clothes away and, you know, doing hobbies. And then she like goes into the kitchen and the music's still playing and they didn't like, they didn't play any dialogue. You just like see them talking to each other, but the music is still playing like over the dialogue and then they start like talking and I'm sitting there like, wow, they're really going heavy on this, like no dialogue, <laughs> just classical music. <laughs> and then I realized that I was on the wrong channel. And I had been watching a different movie with a different soundtrack, um, which was not the like, soundtrack. You're like, this is a bold choice like bravo (laughs) in a mainstream film no less wow (laughs) yeah there was a lot of drama going on and she was like getting mad at her dad and i'm like i don't even know what they're saying but i can tell they're mad and uh you can feel the emotion and the counter the counterpointal nature of like the classical music over overlaid in the domestic drama yeah 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 we had a similar experience recently with coda like the subtitles weren't playing Oh, so yeah. Like, yeah. So, like, we were watching it. We're like, huh, bold choice. Like, they're talking in sign language and we can't, <laughs> we can't understand any of it. Oh, right, there's a whole dinner conversation going on right now. And they're really jabbing at each other. I can tell. I can see their faces. Yeah. I know they're, I know it's personal. No idea what it is. It's, it, 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 so if you want an experience like that that's meant to be that way, you know, West Side, the new West Side Story really does not do any of those subtitles. So, and I really was feeling like I kind of wanted some subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, oh, okay. but wait, Dan, do you have yeah. any issues with the movie? I I couldn't think of any, and that was my that was what sparked the question. Is that I can honestly say I could not think of a single moment or a second or a scene or a musical choice, anything that I would change in this movie. Um, and maybe that'll change on my second or third or 10th viewing, but I, I couldn't think of anything that I thought took away from the movie or the message or anything in it. Um, nice. Cool. Yeah. What about you, Vito? Is it is it a perfect movie for you? I I mean, yeah, 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 man, yeah, yeah. I mean, every time I watch it, it's I, I'm like, yeah, it's my favorite movie. And then you know, I, I kind of go away from it. I don't believe in holding up like um, I change my favorites on Letterboxd all the time because I have a lot of favorite movies and they kind of cycle around. But this is one of this is one of the upper echelons. Yeah, 
is, yeah. is Goodfellas. And, th- and that's like the most basic thing to say, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. You can't look, look, look. Gold is is valuable. Goodfellas is great. Uh, there's these are two actual facts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it um, is great. But Jesse, I have to ask you here. You know, this is this is your question, and I want to ask it to you because I want your answer before any of us go. Because uh, because I think it's an interesting question because I've never thought of it this way. Jesse, is this a biopic or a film? Well, no, biopics <laughs> can't be films. Yeah, but sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes it's very much like distinguished, like uh, you know, like with with Steve Jobs, the uh, Aaron Sorkin movie. That's mm, a, a film. film. Yes. Yep, that's not a biopic, not at all. Like that's a real guy, but in a totally fictional scenario, basically, and kind of the same thing with the Social Network. About a real person, some things are kind. I mean, some things in there happen, but that's a film. Um. And with this one, I I don't think I'd ever seen as good a blend of biopic and film altogether. Like, like I really got the sense when I when I was watching this. Wow, this is a real guy. I know this is a real guy. I know it said based on true events, which I do not believe in any movie anymore. But after when I Fargo, started, how, how could you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. How how could I ever believe that again? Uh, but. I was just watching this guy like look out from his bedroom window at all those gangsters across the street and kind of wanting to join them and slowly escalating, doing crazier things instead of parking the cars. He's blowing up the cars like, oh, this is escalating real quick Um, and being a messenger boy and then like going and taking stuff from from the truckers. But the truckers were in on it. So, you know, it's like, oh, that makes sense. If you're going to rob somebody, they are, they're in on too. Everything about this movie lives and breathes to me. Um, and then when I did, I haven't done that much research, so I want to know if anybody has done any more uh, about, like, how real this movie is. But when from what I was reading and hearing, it seems like most most of this stuff happened. With, like, little details changed here and there, like, Tommy was already a made man when he was whacked. Um, But he was going to get promoted to, like, lieutenant or something. There was something coming his way that was big. um, And he still gets whacked. Um, There's stuff like that throughout. Or, like, Henry Hill actually had a boy and a girl instead of two daughters. Stuff like that. Um, But it was all, like, the heart of it was always there. Um, He really did have that prison experience. so a lot of this feels like true to life and like a gritty biopic, but also a film that blends a message and great cinematography and acting into one. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to cheat at my own question and say, I think it's <laughs> perfect at both. <laughs> I think I was going to agree with you. And, I, and the, the counterpoint I was going to offer is that, so, um, you know, uh, about Steve Jobs, we're, we're divided on this podcast, I know, but the social network, you know, is is a stone cold kind of masterpiece and has been hailed as such. And I think the reason why, you know, like I like Walk the Line a lot. Walk the Line's a great movie. Uh, would I say it's like, you know, a masterclass in film? No, of course not. I don't think it's trying to be. I think it's just trying to tell a nice story about about a musician, right? And mm-hmm. I think the difference here between something like that and something like this is that this is made by by one of the people who's best at doing this job, 
Martin Scorsese is one of the best people that's ever lived to do the job of making films, right? Same thing with David Fincher. And I can't say the same thing about James Mangold. Nothing wrong with James Mangold. Perfect. I'm sure he's a really fun guy. He makes he makes fun movies, great movies. Some of them, some of them may, might even be classics. But there's just a sharp difference, right? And so I think that when you have a true a true master of a craft do that craft, it really makes other things look paler. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's what's happening here. I do think this is this is a biopic. It's also a gangster movie. It's it's also a lot of stuff, you know, um, because a master made it. Like, you know, Parasite. What, what's Parasite? Well, Parasite's kind of like a thriller, kind of. It's also kind of like a comedy. What is it? Well, yeah. It's, it, it's made by a master. But also, well, that's interesting because we, we've covered Zodiac, too. And that's also like a real story. Um, yes. But that also feels more like a film and less like, uh, like here's true events coming at you. Yes. You know what I mean? Uh, whereas I guess that's what I'm focusing on with this. Like, I've never seen that blend of like this is real. This is real stuff. This has happened blend blended with like a theme throughout um, where I think Zodiac's a perfect example, actually, uh, because I think it does exactly that. Right. Like it has a bunch of themes, the themes of, you know, the tagline of the movies, there's more than one way to lose your life to a killer. You know, Uh, it's a movie about obsession and about failure and about how, how, you know, you, you can be consumed by things that will destroy your life. And it doesn't have to be because you died. You know? Oh yeah, no. I I was I guess I was saying Zodiac is a film, but I'm not sure how true it is. But now, like thinking back to everything I know about Zodiac, yeah, I guess I guess well, exhaustive exhaustively researched. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I take that back. Maybe that's uh, an equivalent film. But I think though this this movie feels like less realistic or something because it's about the mob and it's so funny and so stylized. And like, you don't really think like there's, there's almost a sort of cognitive dissonance where it's like, this can't be a real person who's telling, like, this can't be a true story because a dude who is alive today, or I think he's still alive. He like, he was, what was that? He died uh, 10 years ago, Henry Hill. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, but like he wrote this biography about he was involved in several murders and like, like this can't be real. This is, this is a joke or this isn't, but it actually is. And that's, what's wild about it. And the, the way that Martin Scorsese made it is just so fantastic. Like, like the last 30 minutes of the movie where he's, he's like wildly driving around trying to do all the different things and just coked up out of his mind. Like that's insane. That that series of scenes, that whole like progression is nuts. And it's a helicopter and everything. That is so wild and fun and and stressful. Like he captured what that must have felt like. And you can't believe that someone wrote a biography about this. Like someone made money off of telling this story. That seems wrong. And so like that's part of I think why it, it's hard to to it's hard for me to um, to believe this is a biopic, you know? So, um, I man, I can't remember this quote, but there was a quote that goes something like, once you get out of the mob or whatever, um, or once you've, like, lived a criminal lifestyle, you either have to, like, settle for doing nothing and then drugs and alcohol and all that, or you can start making money again by telling those stories that you lived through. And he, Henry Hill is one of those people that lived that way, who 
he's been interviewed a number of times. Like I've seen so many interviews of him at this point, like on every major broadcasting network interviewed by everybody. I'm sure he's on podcast somewhere. Um, but yeah, this guy was just out explaining all of it. And yeah. So again, he, also like the same thing as Wolf of Wall Street and Jordan Belfort, you know, yeah. like he, he, he can't do much trading anymore, but uh, he's, he's still very wealthy um, off the backs of, of his experiences, you know, because these, these very, very select few kinds of people got to live a life that, you know, we would never be able to dream of. And then they tell us about it. <laughs> you know, oh, another, it's, it's. Yeah. Another one that came to mind is uh, Catch Me If You Can. Oh, yeah. Uh, Frank Abagnale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he's created a a life after his life of criminality um, based around like retelling his previous life. And, you know, yeah, it, it it is interesting to me. I think the way you said it, Mike, is exactly like how my brain was trying to process it. Like, what do I consider a biopic and what do I consider a film? And it does feel like the level of stylization does make me think of them differently. Like if I can see this as the retelling of a life and yeah, it's in a movie. So it's going to have dialogue that's a little made up and you know, it's going to have a soundtrack like, yeah, those things are not real, but the main plot points are real. Then I feel like it's a biopic in my opinion. But then if it, if enters the level of, you know, where most of the movie is the dialogue, like in this, in Goodfellas, like a lot of the movie is based on the dialogue. It's based on the, the movies from the sixties and seventies or the, the music from the sixties and seventies. Um, it does feel like they've entered the realm of like, almost like he's made too much of it up to have that label of biopic. And that doesn't mean that there's anything less good about it or that there's anything less good about a biopic i think it it is ultimately just a question of categorization at that point and it doesn't mean a whole lot um but that's how my brain kind of decides the difference between the two is like how much is of the director and the cinematographer in this movie versus how much is from the autobiography or the you know, the actual person's life in this movie. Okay. So I, I think we've run at this a couple different ways. Um, and I, I wonder if, if there even is an answer for this, because a lot of this is, as, as we're all saying, is kind of just our different conceptions of what we mean when mm-hmm. we say biopic and what we mean when we say something else. Sure. Um, I think, I think there's enough, there's enough real events in here that you could call it that if you wanted to. Um, but like Dan was saying before, it, it doesn't take away, Right from this movie that that label doesn't yeah. doesn't move anything away from this if anything it could might just it might just be able to help us discuss it a little bit better or help us discuss it in a new light right um i think it's a really good question for that Do, have you reached any more clarity jesse or or is it, are you still just like what is it uh, i guess i'm a little what it, I'll, i don't know i guess i guess it's everything i guess this movie's just everything it I, is I so good. It rises above any sort of categorization like argument that you could have. Is it better than The Godfather? No, maybe. I don't know. Is it? Is anything imperfect? Absolutely not. Is it a biopic or is it a film? Well, who cares? It's incredible. That's what it is. Yeah, but 
I think these sorts of questions are really important for movies where we can't really dig into them. Uh, by dig into them, I mean like rip them apart or call them bad or whatever. Because categorization of things that we think are excellent and trying to figure out why we think they're excellent are is the next best thing. Yeah, it's it's actually the only other thing you can do, right? Uh, we can't, That's why we really examine the movie. We have to kind of examine ourselves watching it. Um, yeah. But there is one question to examine the movie, and it's a question that I think that we all kind of came up with in discussion, and we're going to try it out here, and we're going to we're going to come back to it um, over the next coming weeks. But it's um, Scorsese here is a, is a, a former Catholic, maybe he would even say still Catholic uh, man whose whose Catholicism is like deeply influenced his films. This is not a new take. This is not even, this shouldn't even be like new information for a lot of people. It's quite clear in his movies. I mean, the man made silence, right? And he's obsessed with, with the religiosity of the rigidity of Catholicism. He's obsessed with the battle of good, evil, sin, redemption, all of that uh, good shit. Right. And I guess the question that I think is interesting, maybe going forward and talking about his gangster movies is they're all very obsessed with like, is this, is this good? Is this bad? Um, What's the sin? What's the punishment? Um, and it seems I, I'm just going to take a quick stab. It seems like the this one's pretty straightforward here. The sin is um, is not actually the gangster lifestyle. I don't think that's the sin he wants to punish. The sin's the drugs, <laughs> and I think the punishment is is him losing it all because of the drugs. And I think this has deep parallels to Scorsese's own life as well um, in his his drug issues. I kind of disagree. I mean, I think that the drugs is is a part of it, but I think that there's a sin of disloyalty that occurs uh, that the drug use is like the the I don't know primary sort of action that Henry Hilt takes to be disloyal to uh, to Polly. But because like there's a key moment where Polly says like, "Hey, you know, don't you got to get off of the drugs after you get out of prison." Like I get whatever you did in there. I don't hold it against you, but you got to get off of it and you can't sell it. And Henry says, okay. And then he drives to Detroit or wherever he's going and he gets it, gets it rolling. Um, That's like a key moment where everyone's lives start falling apart, where they stop being loyal to the old guard. And after that, like, you know, uh, Joe Pesci ends up killing the made man and, Jimmy starts going crazy with Lufthansa height and they heist and they all start really doing their own thing and cycling out of control because they've stopped being loyal to the uh, sort of the God figure in, in the movie. So like, I, I don't, I don't mean to disagree with you, but I think that um, maybe I'm, uh, that it's, it's the action that most, most maybe typifies what what's actually uh, the deeper thing that's happening or something like that. That makes sense. Yeah, I don't take I don't take what you're saying as a as a disagreement. It 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 just sounds like I picked a smaller thing and you've actually picked up on a on a big theme that um, I think probably has a lot of probably has a lot of weight to it. Um, you know, Scorsese is also always talking about like who God is to to these characters and who they who they answer to. Um, I think it's a pretty good read. What do you guys think? I, yeah, I not to think about the disloyalty thing. I think that's also in in the marriage, right? Because another part where his life a, a little bit earlier, I guess his life isn't falling apart um, through his marriage. But when she's standing on or sitting on top of him with a gun pointed to his face, 
you get this real sense that he could have died right there. <laughs> like this, like he came really, really close. And it was because he wasn't, he's not loyal to his wife. In fact, Polly has to cut, Polly and Jimmy have to come to his apartment and be like, yo, hey, it's time to stop being with your girlfriend and go back to Karen. Um, so I, I kind of wonder if, the, like, yeah, maybe it is disloyalty, period, that causes this sort of chaos in your life. Right, because the way that they, they phrase it, right, is is it's fine to have girlfriends, but, you know, you don't leave your wife for your girlfriend. Like, that's wrong, dude. Like, what's wrong with you? She's yeah. your wife. <laughs> like, 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 it's weird that you're doing this to us. Like, it's weird that you're, like, not being with your wife and you're just hanging out with your girlfriend. Like, come on. Um, I think that that is a big theme is, is this uh non this new generation not adhering to the old ways right which is exactly the same kind of premise as in, as in the godfather right that's the the big thing there is the new generation was breaking away from the old and there had to be that snapback you know um in blood and in this one there is no snapback you just cut off like just cut these guys out you know these guys either die or they they went to prison yeah. um but the mafia kept going just without them it didn't need them yeah it did stand out to me as a, like as a first time watching that the only two times that Polly really like um what's that word when a bunch of people get together and like talk to you about something an intervention like an intervention <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. that like the two times that Polly felt like he intervened in the life of Henry Hill was was with the, his marriage with the the um all the girlfriends and then with the drugs those are the two times that he's like Look, man, you got to you got to stop. You got to change your life, and it it felt really funny, like almost like you have this mafia leader telling you to shape, like shape up and fix your life, and you're like, but you're the head of the mafia. Aren't you supposed to just not care about any laws or any morality? But that's not the case. Like, it's actually a much more nuanced life that these these people lived like and that that's kind of i think what is part of the beauty of this movie is that it's not just trying to show you how bad the mafia is or how corrupt everybody is and i i think it's kind of why like the food thing keeps coming up where everybody is obsessed with food just as much as with all of the money and the the lifestyle is they really are a like tight knit family that cares about a lot of, you know, real life things like how to cook the meatballs and how to, you, you put know, too much onions in the sauce. Okay. You put too much onions. I don't know what to yeah. tell you. <laughs> and how, how, yeah. How Polly's like sitting there cutting the, cutting the garlic just the right way. It's like, he's not doing that. You know, he's doing that cause he really believes in it and like, he loves it. And, it's so much, it's so like human and so relatable. And I think that's the masterstroke of this movie is like showing you how relatable almost this life is. And um, so, yeah, I, I kind of <laughs> lost my point in all that, but um, I think that's um, what was the original question? Uh, just what, like what what's we were talking about what the sin was, right? Oh, the Sorry, sin, yes. Me. Yeah. And so I think um for me, yeah, the sin ultimately is the disloyalty and like you have to respect 
the people above you, right? That's like what causes Tommy, I think it is, to go and kill um, the one guy. Uh, Give me Bats. Bats. Yeah, and that's ultimately what leads to his demise is like the fact that he killed Bats is what comes back to, you know, get him a, a bullet in the back of the head. And I think that's definitely a strong theme too, is like you have to respect your elders. You have to respect those in authority. Um, so loyalty, yes, but also just like you don't, you know, you don't tell someone off to their face. You don't, you know, badmouth somebody. You don't disrespect them. Um, I think so his ultimate sin too was like being disloyal, but also just losing the respect he had for everybody in the family. Yeah, that, that's yeah. a good point. And maybe, maybe like Jimmy's sin would be, um, you know, he, he loses trust, right? He loses trust in everyone and he becomes a really dangerous, paranoid kind of man who's just cutting everyone out. Like that scene with, uh, with him between him and Karen, um, <laughs> when he's telling her like, yeah, just go down there, you know, just, just go down there. It's fine. You know, that she, it's dark and you don't, you don't know what's going to happen. Like, is, is, is this a setup or like, why would this be a setup? It seems weird. This doesn't seem right, but he's not helping her. And he's really insistent, like go in there, go in there. He like steps out the door at his pointing. Um, and I think that's, that's his, that's if we're, if we're tracking Henry Hill, um, lack of, uh, loyalty, right, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. And then we're talking, uh, Joe Pesci, DeVito. Um, he is, his is uh, lack of respect, Jimmy, lack of trust. And all three of these, these tenants are like core tenants for, well, not only just for life, but also at, for like mafia life. Right. Yeah. Well, they're core tenants for family. And I think, uh, I could think what they established in the beginning is that like, this is, this is a close knit family. Now um, he, Henry doesn't need his dad. He just needs these guys to protect him. In fact, they will be the father that he never had. They will go out of their way to make sure the mail isn't delivered to his house. Damn it. Um, yeah. And you see the pictures later where they're, you know, it's a montage where years have passed and they're all like eating dinner together and have gone on vacations together. They're a family now. And in family, you need you need respect, loyalty, and trust. That families don't work otherwise. Especially this podcast family. We have lost all three of those at one point or another. It doesn't work. We're here with respect, loyalty, and trust. Except for you. I don't know about you. I, I get weird vibes from you. Okay? Just know I'm watching you. Yeah, you're which, talking to which person are you pointing yeah, at? Yeah, you know who you us. are. You know who you are. <laughs> um, so I think we're also talking, we'll talk more about redemption, maybe in another movie. Cause I mean, I don't really know if there's redemption here. Uh, it wait, certainly wait, seems wait, wait, like, the- wait, what's the punishment? What's the punishment? Is it, is it that Henry Hill has to live as a, as a schnook? Is that the punishment here? Uh, is it that people go to jail? I feel like that's pretty I mean, unless unless you don't think it's clear to me, it seems quite clear. Okay, yeah, no, I, I just let's let's wrap let's wrap the question. Like, here's the question, here's the answer. All right, all right, and then like, is there redemption? Do we want redemption? That's the third part of the question. I think we all want redemption, right? And I think we're interested in seeing redemption, but I wasn't necessarily interested in seeing redemption for these guys. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's what I mean by that question. I mean, I was a little bit more bummed out when they had like the text come up and be like, "Oh yeah," and he was arrested for drug possession. 
an out and like a DY or something like that. I guess it wasn't quite that. Or and then he divorced Karen later, and it's like, oh, things have really not gone well for Henry ever since this happened. I mean, he got paid four hundred and like eighty thousand dollars <laughs> for for this story, you know, uh, which in like nineteen nineties is is great money. Oh yeah, and, yeah. like so, like yeah. right after this comes out, then then it starts going really well for him. But as far as like what's in the movie, just treating oh, sure, it not sure, as sure. a biopic but as a film. Um, I think what the film would be saying is that, yeah, things have not gone well for him ever since this this happened. And if he had been a mobster, you know, I'm not sure if he would have been able to keep Karen, but he would have had like a few other women on the side. So it wouldn't have mattered. As as Karen put it, you know, it's not a lot of times if a boyfriend were to hand a girlfriend a gun and ask her to hide it for him, you'd run. But I got to admit kind of turned me on <laughs> um I, so okay goodfellas i love this movie a lot um i love these characters a lot uh would i have a beer with these guys no uh would oh, i want to get to know them in real life no um am, am i interested in pursuing any kind of further relationship with them like if there had been a goodfellas too would i like that Pro- honestly probably not it seems it seems real sad um so i love this movie and these characters in a really unique kind of way in that i'm not really rooting for anyone at this point, I just love watching this movie. I, I'm not really rooting for Henry, although I think the first couple times I watched it, I, I was more. But as time has gone on, you know, it, it's it, it, it's a movie about bad guys. It, the, the title's funny and ironic, right? And uh, I, I I just like watching movies about bad guys doing bad stuff sometimes, and then they get their comeuppance in the end. It's actually like kind of old school uh, how easy the morality is here. <laughs> you know, bad guys do bad things, get punished. Woo! Um, guess what, though? It's a crackerjack of a good time. <laughs> and I think maybe with our other selections, we might we might run into more, you know, singular protagonists who sin and who we want to be redeemed more. But I mean, I don't know. Are you, are you guys with me on this? Like, not interested in redemption for these guys? Oh, yeah. No, not, not at all. I, I think it's kind of fascinating. Well, speaking for myself, one of the things that's fascinating about this movie is how how much I like Henry Hill and how much I enjoy watching him crumble and fall. Like that's what I want to do when I watch this movie. I'm like, I can't wait to watch this guy become a schnook. Like this is fun. <laughs> and, and I feel like the same way. The first couple times I saw it, like I was stressed out and tensed in the, in that scene where he's like driving around and he's got like the Winston's and he's like coked up. And um, I was like, Oh man, is he going to get away? Is he going to get away? Uh, but at this point I'm like, Oh, this is so great. He's going to get what he deserves. Like this jerk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, There is like a scene. I wish this movie did have, um, you know, there's the scene where, uh, Henry Hill's character is in the courtroom and he has to point to each person. Uh, he points at Polly. He points at, uh, Robert De Niro's character. And he's like identifying them as being involved in all this criminal activity. And you can see like the, you know, the betrayal in their eyes. Um, I almost wish there was more like a scene of that happening almost on a larger scale or like more drawn out because it, it could be so emotionally impactful. Um, there's a scene in the, have you guys seen, um, it's called um, American Hustle with oh, Ben Affleck. Yeah. And mm-hmm. 
yeah, there's there's a scene in there where uh, I think it's Ben Affleck's character is he's had to basically do the same thing where he's ratted out uh, one of his main heroes in life. Um, and he's he's essentially like face to face with this person that he has ratted out who he's looked up to his entire life. It's a very similar ending to the movie, actually. And it's so good. It's so well done. He is like completely distraught by the fact that he has to become a rat and be and like, you know, tell off uh, these people. He's look. Is this Christian Bale you're talking about? Ben Affleck's not in the not in the American hustle that I'm looking at anyway. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Christian Bale. My goodness. Yeah. Christian Bale. (laughs) He doesn't look like Christian Bale in that movie. Not at all. Yes, I'm sorry. It's Christian Bale. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for correcting me. No, okay. I, I was just curious. Um, yeah, and that's like, it's such a great scene in the end of that movie. And so maybe this is me like putting that expectation onto a different movie that is not fair to do. But I feel like that could have been a really amazing scene is like maybe Henry Hill having to talk to Polly directly after this betrayal is out in the open and uh yeah that would have that could have been a really interesting scene to watch yeah i actually i wonder so something something that's interesting is that scorsese can make like really intensely emotional movies um it's per, he's perfectly capable of it and he makes some movies with more or less emotion in them depending like meaning they make straight up black comedies with stuff like after hours um but this one i i think the tone is is so light. Um, it's playful and fun. Um, and I, there's not really emotional scenes. Like the, the emotion in most of the scenes is rage. You know, that's the main emotion in most scenes is just, is just this rage at either circumstances or people. Um, and, or, or like exuberant, you know, delirious highs. Uh, I don't know if you'd call it joy, but it's something. <laughs> and I think that actually giving, Henry a heart. I I think it almost undermines the movie. I don't think we're supposed to care for Henry as a human. I think we're supposed to care about him as, as the main character in our, in our movie, right. As our protagonist. And I feel like maybe a scene where he has to reckon with some of this with any kind of, you know, sincerity might, might mess up the tone, especially near there at the end when, you know, he talks directly to the camera and he walks off the witness stand, you know, um, I mean, that, that's just a feeling I have, but it would, it would have been good to, it would have been nice to feel something at a certain point, but, uh, I don't know. I think we're going to get some more feelings in some of these other, um, gangster movies that are coming up. Uh, I will, I will say, oh, sorry. Dan. Yeah. So that, that final scene where he's talking to the camera, is it implied that all of the voiceover in the movie has kind of been that point of his life? that like all of the voiceover has been him narrating from that point of his life looking back. I, I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think it's strongly implied. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I just, th- that thought came to me and I was curious if on a second or third viewing that would still hold up. It's, it's nice. It's nice when you finally stop hearing him and start seeing him talk to you. You know, it's, it's a good feeling. <laughs> I, I love that. Like walking off the stand. Like, I think that's fantastic. And I, I actually really love that it, we don't have that. And that seems actually really short. 
because at this point, like the romanticized view you have of the mob has been completely decimated. Like his best friend, Jimmy is trying to kill him. And like Polly has said, goodbye, good riddance, no more you. And it's all his fault. And like, like the truth has come out that like, this is not, this is a money-making institution. It is not a family. Uh, I think that that's really cool. I think it's, it's done really, really excellently. And if they had put in like an emotional, like confrontation, that would have completely done away with it. Because like, if you have that emotional confrontation, like you're still, there's still a connection. There's still a relationship. No, the relationship is completely gone because all it was, was about whether or not you could work together to make some money doing something illegal. That's it. All right, gents. Um, Last last thing I wanted to mention. Uh, anyone else really enjoy watching Samuel Jackson get gunned down by Joe Pesci? Oh yeah, is it just me. <laughs> Great. I was not sure if that was him. I actually was going to look up afterwards. It, it, he's so young in that. He's so <laughs> skinny. He's so skinny. I didn't know Samuel Jackson was ever that skinny. I mean, I'm not saying he's fat, but it's like he just looks like a like a like a stick man. <laughs> yep, he's like a toy. <laughs> Um, all right. I think we're going to have to call it. This was, uh, this was a joy guys. Um, so for a final question, uh, is this a dad movie? Um, Jesse, is this a dad movie? I mean, come on. Is it oh, a thousand percent? It goes in the, the upper echelons of the dad hall of fame. Yeah. I, I'm still not sure when to show this to my kids, but I do know they're going to hear that name and they're going to hear me say it's a great movie, but not for you right now. You say, oh, dad, why not? You're going to tease it. It's <laughs> too big for you right now. You will understand when you're older because you need to be older. And it's going to it's gonna freak them out a little bit, but they're always going to associate Goodfellas with me and it's going to, like, you know, hype it up in them for a very long time. Then one day they're going to see it and they're going to say, yeah, that was worth it. Um, and this reminds me of my dad. That's, that's why this is a dad movie. Also the, like every guy, I don't know. I feel like this is like an every guy movie. Yeah. Uh, not even just exclusively a dad movie, but there there's every guy movies and there's dad movies. And this, the Venn diagram blends very beautifully right here. How about you, Dan? Yeah, I I'm kind of there is a question that I want to that I want to bounce off and this will be in a later episode after we've covered more of these, but the idea of like which one would you show first? Like what order of what order of mob movies would you show to your kids? And I think ultimately all of them are I'm probably going to have the same answer. Uh this is a dad movie. It's it's something that I'm going to mention to my kids. Same thing with Jesse said that they're going to hear this title over and over. And once they see it, they're going to be like, wow, dad, that was not as good as you thought. But and then they'll they'll become an adult and then they'll realize I was right the whole time. Um, yeah. So a thousand and one percent. Definitely a dad movie. Beautiful. And 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 Mike. Oh yeah, this is a dad movie. This is your father's movie, you know. Like this is this is every dad who's ever had had a kid. It's their movie. Yeah, I, and it's my movie percent. too. 
a thousand percent, a thousand percent for everything you guys have said and more. This is just one of my favorites, and it was a it was a great joy doing it with you guys. Um, I look forward to next week. Next week we are doing Casino. Um, Woohoo! Yeah, yeah, another really big one, and uh, I'm excited to talk about that one. I'm I'm going to do a little preview. I don't like that movie as much, nearly as much as Goodfellas, and I've only seen it once, so this will be fun. This will be fun. I'll have to break it down. <laughs> I've never seen it. So, you know, I've never seen it either. Ooh. This is my series, and I haven't seen this one. So Yeah, I'm not sure if I've seen it, so I think Vito's going to be It's a three-hour-long movie? Really fresh takes. Oh, it's three it's, hours long? It's going to be... It, I'm really excited now. Why are movies really always now? three hours long? Because they're great. I hate it. I don't know. I don't know. It's so great. You love it. That way we still have nostalgia for it because it was so long ago we started it. (laughs) (laughs) Remember when this started? It was so great. (laughs) All right. Well, for all of us at Not Your Father's Movies, I'm Vito. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. I'm Jesse. Good night.